What's up, everybody? We're three days out from the Circuit of America's Austin GP. How you feeling, bro? Three days out, meaning like we've concluded from it. I've had the time to kind of take my deep breath. And I feel like the whole world is overreacting and saying that Lewis is done. No, I don't think he's done, but it's definitely stacked up the odds because the next two tra- uh, tracks are Mercedes. I'm sorry, Red Bull favorites, but so many people are so quick to be like, oh, like it's done. You know, Lewis isn't going to do it. I mean, like five races, 12 points. How could it be over? No, it's definitely not over. You were hyped when he posts. It's not over. Yeah, I was I've, because it just gives some level of like hope you're like you know what he understands he knows and he's telling the world like it's not over and i'm yes i'm a massive fan it's just too hard for me to think like it's over yeah it's not over yet we'll we'll we'll, uh we'll put it on wax it's not over it's not over until like if max wins the next two races and it's pretty pretty much over then it's different you know i can come on and be like hey it's over but we're nine days away from mexico so i i mean if I'm Lewis right now, I'm just locked in, man. I'm in the chamber. I'm just like tunnel vision only. You talking about his chiro chamber and then his listen, infrared? Listen, I've been following on socials. Um, I just know that to him now, the, I, I read something that Rosberg said there are times within a season where Lewis loses his focus. That's or his the only motivation. way you can beat him. You got to hope he, he... And that's when yeah. you can beat him. So there's those windows that have opened this season. Baku, um, you know, I think this last race he was locked in. But now, if Max wants to beat Lewis, it's going to take everything because Lewis is now motivated again. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you how great Lewis is. His teammate, which is a former world champion, says, like, the way I beat him is I was at 100%. I took every single point, and I needed him to relax behind the wheel a little bit. Um. Just to the next driver. You see my boy Lando in New York? I didn't see Lando in New York. He took a little flight. He was in New York. Okay. He was in Times Square. You know, I, I I had asked this. Like, if you're a driver, like any of them, why go back to Europe? I mean, nine days till Mexico. You want to stay on this side of the world. Do you just stay in the U.S.? Yeah, I think so. Unless, like, me personally, I love my own bed, but. I'm sure they have the money to buy whatever bed they want. So, yeah, yeah, they can buy a few good. a few replicas, you know. Yeah, well, the real thing, not the replicas. They could just buy a new one and bring it bring it to wherever they are. But um, reason for today's podcast, we're not talking about F1 today. I mean, kind of. We're talking economics, man. Listen, F1 economics, it's something that maybe I'm just crazy about because I'm fascinated by it, but... So many people that are new to the sport or who have been um, avid fans for so long don't necessarily realize this marketing machine behind F1. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you have to look at F1 as A, a business, but B, its main thing for most um, companies that are in F1, like your Ferraris, your Mercedes, your Alfa Romeros, it is a marketing ploy. Massive. And if you are an automaker... It's just crazy. I, I mean, I think you start with Mercedes. They spend the most amount of money. They make the most amount of money, but they operate at a loss every year. Yeah, I mean, do they make the most amount of money or they have the most money coming in? Most money, yeah, sorry. Most money coming in, spend the most money, but you would think that they're the team making money. For them, it's not about making money. It's about performance on the track that hypothetically leads into sales. Yeah, it's a very, very cheap 
price to pay. I mean, you're reaching almost half a billion fans and it costs you $5 million. I don't think that's a, pr- uh, a huge price to pay. I think a lot of teams would say, if you can put my logo all over a single sport and it is the best logo in the world and it costs you $5 million, I think that's pretty cheap. What do you think? It drives performance on the track and off the track. And if they're going to run at a $5 million loss last year, um, it's definitely worth $5 million to sell a ton of cars. Yeah, so just so everybody knows, we watched a bunch of videos. We did some research. It's something that fascinates both of us because obviously um, every sport's a business, right? But um, these are 2019 numbers. So this is before covid um, obviously numbers are so different during COVID. So 2019 numbers we're talking about, just put that on wax. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we'll kind of dive into the top two teams, I guess, financially, right? You have Mercedes, which wins, which makes a lot of their money. They got their two, they promised to win back-to-back championships. So they get a $35 million bonus. They obviously get money for being one of the most successful construct constructors in the last couple of years. But what do we think about Mercedes getting less money than Ferrari even though they won number one, like the legacy payment is higher than winning the first place constructors championship. Does that make any sense in the world? It doesn't. And this whole, when you look at the numbers visually, you see them. Ferrari makes the most money from formula one. And yet they're a fourth ranked team this season. I think they're third right now. Are they not? I think McLaren's still ahead in the constructors. I thought, I thought they took third, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it is pay to play. That's the one thing we 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 understand. Um, F one is pay to play. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is you pay and you win, but it is pay to play, right? So, do we want to dive into Monato a little bit or no? You know, there's going to be a whole special episode dedicated to why Ferrari is not number one and why they haven't won in over a decade. It's because they spent um, fifty million dollars on Sebastian Vettel's salary. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> lots of mistakes, but just embarrassing that a team that has the they they're not limited financially. When you look at AlphaTauri, they have the least amount of money in F one, and they are they perform decently. Is that a fact? They have the least amount of money. Just looking at what. What we learned today, I mean, they they have the least least amount of financial resources. I thought it was Haas, but yeah, I mean, AlphaTauri for sure is a lot lower. But I mean, when you got to look at the two sides, right? AlphaTauri benefits from all the Red Bulls research. Yes, so they don't have to spend as many resources because all the all the money it's that Red on. Bull spent on wind tunnel testing their engines. They just kind of transfers, transfer to AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri probably doesn't have the same budget to make the improvements they do. but So it, it is a little different. I will say that it's kind of weird for me that Ferrari is not number one or two. Just they should be, they with the money that they have, they should be in the conversation every year to compete for a championship. Yeah, they should. Th- that's a fair statement. If they're one, two, and three, I think they're three right now, by the way. I, I just double-checked. Down by three? four points. They're down by four points. So they're fourth. I would be okay with them being third if they're really neck and neck with everybody yes. else. Yes, third close, not by yeah. a long shot. Yeah, but like let's say Mercedes had 320 points, Red Bull had 300, 300 points, and Ferrari had 295. Like that's okay to be third, right? But they're not even competing for a championship, so that's my issue with Ferrari and their spending. I mean, we could talk about Sebastian. Obviously, Charles is now paid pretty handsomely. I'm sure Sainz is as well. But man, their car just sucked in 2020, man. And, and it's it sucks taking a big again hit. this year. It doesn't suck. Well, in again, 2020, I'm, they didn't I'm even saying make... it sucks 
in comparison to what they're spending and yeah. what they're receiving. But do you think that Ferrari's car comes out banging next year? Because they are spending a lot of I mean, resources. I right would now. hope so. Because why why should they not? And this is where if you're a Ferrari fan, you have every right to be upset at this organization because it's a winning organization. It's the gold standard in F1 for as long as you can remember. And yet we're getting subpar results. It's not the gold standard. Not though. anymore. But, but it's but never been. When you look at it, right? Think about this historically. It took 20 years before Schumacher won before they won. They won one title between Schumacher's title to now. Yeah, with, with Raikkonen, right? Yeah, they're not a, They're not the gold standard. They just are a legacy team. They're like the Knicks, They get bro. so much money. And this is the Bernie Ecclestein thing that he signed off on it. It's just nuts. And I think at some point in time, it has to change because they shouldn't. Why the hell does Williams only get $10 million for being a heritage team? What's the difference between heritage team and legacy team if their legacy is really just Schumacher? Yeah, I mean, they have their legacy before that, but I'm saying they haven't been true. Like, everybody talks about this Red Bull dominance, and it's like, I think if you're talking about dominance, it's McLaren. McLaren had, like, ages in pockets. Like, in the 90s, they had a period of dominance. They had some periods of dominance during the 2000s. They had a small period in 2010. McLaren has been pretty much a team that's won in every decade for the last three decades. Yeah. Right? So, McLaren kind of has that for me. But, like, talk about Ferrari, I don't see it. But going back kind of to how we tie everything in with economics, it's... It's crazy how the top four teams are the automakers that have been in the game and have the longest. Money. Oh, Red Bull's not an automaker, but Red you got Bull's Red Bull, got Mercedes, the, They get McLaren. paid that amount for their commitment to F1 long The Concord term. Agreement or whatever it was. So this is where we, we look at it and we say, if you are coming into the sport because you are an egotistical rich billionaire, Lauren you will fail. Lauren Stroll. And Lauren Stroll has now got an automaker behind him since he owns Aston Martin. He owns 60% sure. of it, I think. Yeah. But but here, let me ask you this, okay? Let, let's talk about Lauren Stroll and Aston Martin because that's the next point I want to dive into. So A, do you think Aston Martin is putting a lot of resources into F1? Like, you know how Mercedes commits $80 million a year to um, the actual parent company to their F1 team? How much is Aston Martin actually contributing? And B, when do you actually say... Or what is your timeline that Aston Martin has to be in with the automakers? Because it is a luxury automaker like Ferrari, Mercedes, yeah. and McLaren. So what timeline is fair for you? I know Lawrence Strolls is five years. What it's is five yours? years. I think that's the that's the number. And we're, we're only going to be able to see as this relationship or their longevity with F1, how much they spend. Um, because right now we don't know. But the way Lawrence Stroll has done it is he's attached himself to an automaker. You look at everyone else who's come into the sport. I mean, I don't know how Gene Haas can survive as an individual. One, he doesn't have... You need to be so rich. You got to be... You got to be Bezos rich because you've got an entire organization funding these teams. I'll tell you how he does. Scrapyards. Scrapyards, yes. <laughs> yes, Gene so, Haas is in the scrapyard. Not Gene Haas. Gunther's just going through scrapyards finding, finding uh, spare chassis. But when you think about that, it is very interesting because he does have an automaker attached behind him and he has a five-year timeline where he can compete for a championship, right? I want to give him another... T I, I, I give him three years. If he's not competing in three years, I'm going to start asking questions because he did spend 2020. That was his full year. And 2021... Well, 2020 was racing point. But it was still his year to kind of learn F1. Sure. Right? Fair. So I'm saying I'm giving him five years from his start date. He has four years with Aston Martin. His facility will be completed next year. 
So I don't expect him to be a championship team, but I expect him to be fighting for third. Yeah, as long as there's progression to first. But if he's pr- pr- producing fifth place results like he is this year, and he's not even close to 3-4... Then he looks like a complete clown. Yeah, he looks like the egotistical billionaire. Exactly. And this is where the economics of this sport, you need to have massive financial backing. Yeah, so how much do you think is going to put in every year? You think they're going to put in like 50, 50 M's? I was actually going to say closer to 100. You think they're putting in Mercedes money? Aston Martin does not sell the amount of cars that Mercedes does. And I I just think that um, Lawrence is delusional with winning. So I feel like delusional. I feel like he is almost what Lotus did to Raikkonen, where they almost went bankrupt paying Raikkonen in bonuses. $60,000 every point. (laughs) Yeah, I could see Lawrence Stroll bankrupting Aston Martin to try win. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I don't think he's delusional. I think he's just obsessed with the winning. I think he has a um, he has a winner's mentality, which is what I do respect about Stroll. I'm not the biggest Lawrence Stroll fan. Um, but just a quick note. Could you imagine Mercedes did the point thing with Lewis Hamilton? Yeah. What? <laughs> 20, <it'd be laughs> like, What's the math on that? It'd be like, what, f- extra $30 million every single year? More than thirty. No, it's si- it was sixty thousand by like I think f- every four hundred points. points. Yeah, so yeah, so like thirty million, twenty four, twenty four million points, uh, twenty four million every single. I want to say, isn't it two hundred and forty? No, 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 it's not because Kimi Raikkonen scored I think around like f- almost oh, four hundred okay. points wow. over his span, and they paid out like twenty four million. Yeah, see, that's just wild. These bonuses, and also just thinking economics here, in the lower teams, the drivers buy their way in, like Lance Stroll. Spend thirty million to drive with Williams. Yeah, because his dad pay, paid a paid. bag. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say Lance was competitive. I think that you can't necessarily buy yourself in, but if you have financial backing, it gives you points. Look at right? Haas. I, I'm telling you, you could have. If the, the only reason that Mazepin is there is because of the linkage see, to to finance. See, I don't want to get into that here, but. Mazepin was competitive in F2 just like I think he was the runner up to Mick or like he was number three like and the backing ads on top of that right? were they were, okay so then the question I want to ask you is aside from Mick and Maz and Nikita at the time if financial um, if money was not even on the table were they the best available drivers for Haas maybe not but they were the best available young drivers in F2 Okay. So if Haas was going through a youth movement, then yes, Mick won the F2 championship. So the Fair. backing just adds to it, right? So it's hard to say pay to play, but it definitely has a little influence if you're a candidate, right? I mean, we were on here me, talking about Nicky Lauda. I mean, Nicky Lauda paid his way into F1 too. Yeah, but I mean, that was a way different time. But if me and you came with $100 million, no one's signing us to, <laughs> to William C. I mean, Gunter wants to get out of the scrapyard, so <laughs> he may. Maybe he might. Uh, so let, let, let's kind of move on to like cost, right? So we looked at cost, we look at revenue. There's obviously how you get sponsorship dollars. It's crazy how they spend a million dollars on fuel. You yeah, ever- fuel is crazy. I, I I don't think they actually broke down the specific line, but the logistics of freight. Flying around the world, a moving garage. Yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> that's expensive. You know, <laughs> move, moving from... Province to province in Canada and state to state is still pretty pricey as it is, right? Like, you got to imagine, you got a whole garage, a whole team. What do they do I, with the cars? I, do they put two, the, do they put the F1 cars on a plane or a ship? I think they put them on a, on a boat 
like on a cargo truck, and that either goes into like a truck, or that goes onto the boat. Like, like you know, one of those big freight. So now you got to fly your your vehicles to say um, from. You're gonna go to Mexico, Brazil. Sure, you could drive them there, but then from Brazil to the Middle East, you can't drive them there. You boat. But is there enough time? Yeah, usually those races are about two weeks. All right, those but races still, are usually like, two just weeks. Think logistics, man. Logistics, it's a nightmare, right? Like whoever's job is head of logistics on an F1 team, I feel like it's a lot of Excel spreadsheets. It's a lot of Excel spreadsheets. And there's a lot going on. So let so cost, right? Big cost, salaries. How do you think? Uh, how do you feel about Lewis making uh, forty M's and then a guy like uh George make making a million, bro? I mean, that's just. That's, again, it's basic economics. The best driver who brings in the most money, who's the international star, is going to get their bag. But I think it's crazy how George Russell and Mick make the same amount of money. Yeah, well, it's team's budgets. Like, what is George going to make next year? I think George will make, like, $5 million a year. I think it's going to be at least eight. Maybe. But I'm saying, like, he's going to get a decent raise. But, like, think about McLaren. Lando makes five. And Ricardo makes 15. Which is absolute bullshit. Yeah. So, why does Ricardo make 15? Well, I mean, he's Danny Ricardo, but I mean, when Lando signs his next deal, I'm sure his deal will be he's worth gonna 20. He's going to get a bag. Would be 20 million. Because, at least, yeah, 20 as million. of right now, who's more recognizable? I would say Lando is. Like I said, Lando is Lando is the playboy, bro. I mean, he's not the James Hunt playboy, but he is the face of F1. Like He's the future, right? Eh? He's the future. I mean, him... Uh, you know, it's wholesome content. Him, George, Albon, Leclerc. That's wholesome content, bro. That's a new wave. And, you know, Max thinks he's too cool for it. Max, Max definitely distances, distances himself from them because he's too cool. Yeah, he definitely does that for sure. And it's like he grew up with those guys. A lot of those guys are supposed to be like, him. it would actually make me like Max if he was part of the crew. I hate Max. We'll put that on wax. <laughs> I, I Listen, we know. this is We, we hear that every week. Um but Max doesn't do a lot of things to make himself likable. That's why I'm surprised there's so many Max fans. Yo, he flipped the bird at Lewis because of that whole little thing. It's like, can, can you show some respect? And you call him a fucking idiot. Sorry for my language, by the way. It's like, come on, Max. Like, he, there's only 20 of you guys in the world. Like, you see him every single weekend or every other yeah, weekend. Max like, is different, bro. Max is different. And that's why it's like. Again, I see a- why people love Red Bull. I, I start, I wonder, like, where's the appeal, the actual appeal to like Max? Yeah, okay, let me ask you this before, before uh, just touching on the Red Bull point. How much insurance do you think Red Bull pays or pays those guys when they do those crazy-ass drives? You know when Max had to drive down a ski hill? Yeah, but was it really Max driving? It was Max. It's confirmed. It's like you see Max or is driving down a ski hill. It, it's, it's Perez driving through a desert. Like, those are actual things. Like, do you think they're paying them a bag? Or do you think it's part of their contract? Yeah, you know... Okay, so you sign a contract with Red Bull. I'm, I feel like there's contractual obligations that are in there. But I was thinking about this, right? So obviously, when we look at why drivers get paid, what they get paid, it's skill, economic value, and um, risk. I wonder if there is insurance on every single driver so that if they die, there's like a multiple massive bag. I don't know. Or by signing off and getting the money you get. I think you sign a waiver. You sign that say, like, what happens, happens. Yeah, I think you sign a waiver. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure like your know. life insurance is, is expensive, though. I'm sure if they pay yeah, for Yeah, I don't know what 
I don't think there's very <laughs> many um, insurers that are going to insure an F1 driver. Think there's an F1 union. Yeah, it's probably crazy expensive. Probably crazy expensive, but I mean, you take it, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to dive a little bit into the lower teams or we want to talk about uh, Monaco? As far as attacks? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is the other thing that kind of blew my mind was if you're playing pro sports in America. Oh, hell yeah. You you're losing tax. half of your salary. Hell yeah. If you live in Monaco, I mean. Oh, Lou's crazy. making a, a true. Lou's four- making the real bag. He's making a true 40 M's. Yeah. Lewis is doing just fine. Yeah, I, even George Russell, like, he's making a flat million dollars. He lives like, in Monaco. Just. But, like, in the States or Canada, that's 500K or that's 20 million. Like, it's going to Uncle Sam. Bro, I started to think, I'm like, man, F1. It's, it's a true scam. Uh, well, not. It's like the promised land. Well, uh, not it's a only true scam. 20 drivers in the world. So, hey, it pays to be one of those 20. Sorry, it's not a scam. It's a true finesse. True finesse. I mean, Toto lives there too. Bro, they all live in Monaco. Toto's salary is under... They all just, live in Monaco and they all got bank accounts in Geneva, fam. I, th- I think his... Uh, I think Toto's salary is just south of $10, $10 million oh, a yeah. year. Listen, Toto is also one of the majority owners of the F1 performance, like racing team. So, they're doing good, bro. You, they they're yeah, doing good. Yeah, for sure. Do you find it interesting that... F1 for like team principals and team owners that actually have stake in the game is just to develop your team and then sell it because we know you're not making money. We know like your bag is break even or you're losing money. Yeah. So your goal is to like take the team from like, let's say you acquire for 200 million to make it a billion dollar organization. And that's when you make your money. Yeah. But I think with like the teams like Mercedes for Toto, he, he knows that. Yeah. One day when he wants to hang it up, he'll just sell his, his stake make a lot of money, but that's something. Do you find it interesting that like obviously Toto gets paid a nice salary, but someone like Gunther that may have stake in Haas, right? That doesn't get paid a stupid salary like Toto, like ten million dollars a year. Do you think his goal is like I need to grow Haas and be like I need I to think sell for Gunther and for Gene? They're just they're they're exiting. They're gonna try sell the team. I think if they get like fifth or sixth next year and they can get like a decent bag. They're oh, they're out. out. I think they're Gene out. Haas for sure, and Gunter. This F one team is just headaches for them. No, Gunther loves it, bro. He probably uh, schedules his Friday ch- scrapyard. Sorry, not Friday. He's at the racetrack. His Wednesday scrapyard runs with his kids, bro. And they go and they, they go look for chassis. our guy Gunter. Has lost years of his life already from this team. Oh, bunch of idiots! I'm sorry, Gene. <laughs> Listen. Poor Gunter, man. I love how he's just hilarious. He's just a cartoon character. But, yeah, he's this is being stressful. And I feel like if you're his family, if you're his wife, like, you're the laughing stock of F1. Yeah, he's definitely a laughing stock. So, I feel bad. Even for Mick, like, yeah, Mick, you're an F1. But I'm sure Mick's like, you know, I don't want to be on this team. Bro, Mick can never be a laughing stock. He lives through his dad's legacy. Definitely. <laughs> hey, that's why it's just a shame. Because you're like, man, you're on, you're on the Haas, bro. I, I, what I do the other drivers think of Haas? What do you think? We don't have, we don't have all day to make fun of Haas, bro. But <laughs> if you're a Lewis or a Danny Rick or Max, whoever, it's just like, yeah, Haas. I, I use the great words of a, a Mod K Smith, a poverty franchise. Very much so. 
I'll leave it at that, right? We'll we'll leave Oz in the dust. So let's talk a little bit more about the payments. How do you feel about like how like F1 pays everything off? Because you got to think about this. You get payments for being a top team. You get payments for legacy. How do you feel about the like if you've been there for two years, you get thirty six million dollars. Well, that's every. I mean, right now it's pretty even. Every team, field. Every everyone's team getting it. But don't you think that's ridiculous? Like, why even do that? Well, you got to have in it. There's got to be some sort of. Um, there's got to be some sort of. You got to entice teams to stay, man. F1 might as well just take thirty six million dollars off the books rather than be two years. Because if a new, if a new team joins, like, why even put them in the hole like that? Well. Because you want to see them sweat and see if they can handle the extra $36 million. I mean, it's, in again, two years, you're going to give them $36 million. I mean, anything, any business, all about structure and stability. So if you want to stay in F1, you're going to get rewarded for it. See, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't think that makes sense. As a professional sports franchise, if you stay, we clear off $36 million. Every year you're here, we clear off $36 million off the debt. That's it. Like, that makes so much more sense than being like, yo, if you're here for two years, like, but I also so think should it be like, if you're here for 20 years, you get extra money. Like, F1 F1 makes money, and and the teams have to participate in that rev share, and that's how they set it up. Yeah, did you do a little dive into uh, 2019's numbers at all? Yeah, well, I looked at all of the payouts. No, I'm saying a whopping $2 billion of revenue for F1. Oh, no, I didn't look at that. That got cut down by 40, I think 47% in 2020 because of COVID. Oh, definitely. Just think about how much money they lost. It's a $2 billion industry. There's only tw- there's only 10 teams. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's crazy. I, you know what I'm curious? Uh, I didn't do a deep dive enough, but like how much money does F1 actually make from all this? Because it's like, it feels like all the teams go bankrupt or just making- Oh, F1's breaking. making the bag. Exactly. Bernie like, Ecclestein is- you just got to go down the rabbit hole of him. He is the ultimate just f- finesse. He's a finesse master, but he's out now, right? Isn't it Ross Brown Yeah, but it? so much controversy. He literally, he robbed people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Bernie Ecclestein, he did so much for the sport, but he made sure his pockets were just fine. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong there from what I've read. By the way, please don't add us on YouTube. We're not trying to slander anybody. We're just, we're having fun with it. We're having fun with it. We're having fun with it. We're not slandering Valtteri or Red Bull. We don't think Valtteri took a payment. We're just joking. Yeah. You listened to our last episode. Think about this. Um, I saw the picture of Austin uh, 20, I think it was what, 2019, 200 plus thousand this, this year, 400 plus thousand over the weekend. And the caption was the Netflix effect is real. Like they doubled their audience. Yeah. How much do you think? So drive to survive costs them. Drive to survive probably costs two million. I was gonna say one or two million dollars a year, and, and how it has paid go? out dividends. It, it it was probably the best investment they ever made. They hit everything perfectly. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You're in the biggest market in the world. You couldn't have asked for anything better. Season four is gonna be the best season. Yeah, it's just I mean Americans like F one now. No, I get it, but I'm saying season four between Max and Lewis is going to be the best season yet. Yeah, talk about economics. 2020 like Netflix was, got the bag, too. Netflix did get the bag. 2020 was pretty boring. Lewis yeah. like, literally dominated every single For track. Sure. It was Mercedes dominated. So, But yeah, Netflix and Liberty, 
it's Liber- Grand Liberty Media, whatever it is, Liberty Media. They actually killed it with that. They got probably what a hundred times over their investment. Oh yeah, they they're doing strategically the entire investment into F one. They knew what they were doing. So the next steps, right? What what does the next steps look like for F one? We've obviously talked about expansion. Me and you are huge on. We need two more teams. We'd love to see two more constructors. In twenty years, when we're uh, doing this podcast and we got gray hairs, <laughs> how many teams do you want to see on a, on a grid? No, I, I I think at some point it just becomes too crowded. You want to keep it elite. But I'm saying I how many do you want? I don't think more than twelve. I actually want to see 30, 30 drivers. Wow. I would like to see thirty drivers on a grid. I, I don't know if that's possible, but I would like to see fifteen teams. God, that changes everything. Because that would make it a lot more competitive. Because A, qualifying becomes a lot more headache, right? They probably extend qualifying times. B, there's, it's literally like one mistake can mess up a bunch of cars. Like it make, it, I just think it would add a lot more variety into the game, uh, the sport, sorry. But that's just my opinion. But I would be cool with, I think a realistic number is 12 teams. I think 24 drivers on the grid is a really good number. My heart wishes for for thirty drivers on the grid, but I think twenty four is a lot, man. It's a lot. Can you imagine like lights out with thirty cars? Yeah, it'd be a disaster. It would be a disaster. So it's like you you really got to put a lot into qualifying and all that stuff. So much into it, but I think I do think that we're gonna see ten for a while. <laughs> I think twenty twenty six is when we get two new constructors, and I also think that I'll give Haas two more years before they sell. I think that's a fair fair number as well, uh, fair amount of numbers. There's going to well. be, there's just so much momentum within the sport. There's so many people that want to get involved with the sport that the FIA will have people literally in line bidding, whether it's Porsche, whether you know it's an American manufacturer, whoever it may be that has the power, the influence, the brand, and they'll force a buyout between one of the teams. I think that I think that's a very very plausible way of of it heading. Let's talk a little bit about where we're headed in F1 in terms of locations. So, A, Vietnam has a track that was canceled because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. I think there's a Chinese track, is there not? Yes, there is. So, do we add another two or three Asian tracks? You're going to have Japan, Singapore, China, Vietnam. I feel, I mean, anywhere else in the South Pacific that you'd want to add? Maybe another Chinese track? Yeah, so we have Singapore, Japan, Vietnam, China. You could theoretically look at... I I don't know how big the Philippines is. I feel like Indonesia's had a Grand Prix. I I could double check. Could be that, but... So let's move over to the other side of the world. I think Europe's pretty clustered. I don't think... Europe is maxed I think we've hit Saudi. I think they have enough tracks. Yeah, the whole Middle Middle East. East. It's kind of hit. Where else is... How many more tracks do we need in America? I mean... Or North America? Listen, I'm happy with... Mexico, Brazil. I don't know if there's a market in Argentina. No, I meant like, okay, let's hit North America first. North America. So, so do you've we got need your one Canadian th- Grand Prix. We have two I don't Americans. know if Canada needs another Grand Prix. I think in the U.S., you've got Austin. You're going to have Miami. Do you need a California one or a New York one? I was thinking the Northeast. Oh, so like a Boston type? Like, yeah, New York, Boston area, Chicago. Okay. So you, you think... There's I think three be tracks. One, in the one US. more, one more American track. So four North American tracks. And I think you got to go back to South Africa. Oh, so Mexico's there too. Okay, so we got 
You want to add one in North America, one more in, in Asia, and one more in South Africa. Yeah, so the South African Grand Prix it was a thing, and I think I think you go back. You got to have South African Grand Prix. I think that'd be dope. And then you cover every continent. That'd be super fire. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. So to wrap up our episode, we talked about uh, two episodes ago, and we didn't really get into it. You saw how, shout out to Jess F1, I think it is. Okay. They talked about um, she, she has an insider. Yeah, she's she has uh, insider's opinion. How people from teams anonymously message her about the hectic schedule. As you're not making Lewis Hamilton money, you're not making forty million dollars a year. You're making hundred k, eighty k, and you're on twenty three races because races before were like seventeen to nineteen races. But they're trying to catch up with COVID. How do you feel about that? It, it is quite a touchy subject because you're taking people away for four to six more weekends. Honestly, I think that's the sacrifice you make to work within a sport like that. If you're only making 80 to 100K in that kind of demand, you can make 80 to 100K in your home country and be at home. But if you're like a guy that's been there for 15 years and you signed up for 17 to 19 races and it's increased to 23. If it's increased to 23, I mean, listen, naturally you would expect more money. Unfortunately, that's not how the world works. And I mean, it's just a harsh thing to say. Life's not fair. What can you do, right? Like, you can... These teams, we know. Everyone's... Every single person is replaceable up to the driver and the principal. I don't think everybody. Man. I don't think Lewis Hamilton... We see it in all sports. I don't think Lewis Hamilton was replaceable. LeBron James is not replaceable. Lewis Hamilton is not replaceable. I just... You know, it's the unfortunate part about these businesses. 99.9%. Like, if you're you're one of the... The factory workers or irreplaceable, like they, they but ninety nine point nine percent. I'm doing all this extra work. They're gonna be like, there's a long line of people that are gonna work here for less. But there's something to be said about continuity in your team. At, One at million tenure, percent, right? and I would just hope that the best teams in F1 pay their people, take more. care of their people, and they should, right? But you're right. Culture is everything, and I feel like again, I don't know, so I'm just speaking out of my perspective. I feel like Mercedes and Toto probably do their part because Lewis is so adamant about the people, the factory and diversity that it is somewhat fair. Again, could be completely wrong. Yeah. So there's by no means did Jess post any stories that any teams came out. She's anonymous from different teams. So no one's saying it's Mercedes or anybody like that, but I would assume good organizations like Mercedes and Red Bull would take care of their people. Um, Definitely. Or the reverse is through 2020, we paid you all the same, we lost money, and this year we're making it up. Yeah. And then next year, we will make adjustments. I mean, there's just so much you have to take But they are increasing the races from 19 to 23, which is quite a quite a big Definitely. increase, right? And then the reason I brought up circuits is if we add South America, um, South Africa, and we add China, uh, Vietnam, and we add one more in China and add one more in North America, that's more races, right? We can be For up sure. to like 27 races at that, a year. At that point, you add more races... In theory, that means more money, which means there's more money that goes around. Everyone should earn more. And you know what? At that point, you'd be traveling for half the year. Exactly. Which is quite a bit of time, right? So it's just interesting to hear a different perspective because like NBA players, and I don't want to always bring it in, but they're the main asset that goes on the road and they have a couple staffers. But F1 is not like that. F1... F1, you have a, a F1, whole team. you've got an entire team traveling. You got like sure. at least what 50 employees, 100 employees coming with you every single time. Oh, it's incredible. And those people are losing out time with their loved ones and family. And mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Angela Cullen and she's married with kids. 
when is she home to be a mom? Oh, she spends every waking second with Lewis pretty much. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a massive sacrifice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, other than uh, that, any last words? F1, fascinating business, amazing sport, you know, just looking forward to, to more and more of it. Okay, sounds good. One last question for you. Other than Haas, which is the next team out of F1? Um, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo's backed by a, by a car manufacturer. Yeah, but they might already be in talks. No, I meant like goes bankrupt. Like they need to sell. Not oh, like they need selling. to sell? Yeah, they need to sell. Um, Is it Alpine? Nah. Is it? I think it was Alfa Tori potentially because Red Bull won't want to deal with it. Oh, okay, Alfa Tori. Okay, I yeah. like that one. I, I just don't think, I think... Uh, I think Red Bull will be like, we don't want to... We did this because of our commitment to F1. Now there's so much interest in F1. We'll give up that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I, I just don't think Alfa Romero because they're being purchased because someone's just going to give them a fat bag and they're already taken care of by a manufacturer yeah. so they have the money. But I think Alfa Tori would be my look or Alpine. Yeah. I don't think Alpine would be around for long. Well, they're Renault and Renault's been there forever, man. Yeah, but, you know, Renault was having money issues to begin with as we saw in Draft Survive Season 2, right? That's fair. Cool. All right, we'll see you guys next time. The next time we'll hop on is Mexico Preview, man. I know. Go sir, go Checo, but Max DNF. That's that's the that's the word. That's the word. I'm happy for Checo to get number one. Louis two, DNF for Max. Let's or at go. least Max like number ten. Yeah, let's go. All right, let's get it. We'll see you guys next time. Easy.